0: Snowflakes drift, birds fly and flock, frozen rivers flow unseen, I skate. Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark, and this episode was written by Joe Horn. The rolling hills, forests, fields, and pastures dotted with lakes and crisscrossed with rivers and streams make the stretch between Unity and Belfast in mid-coast Maine one of the most beautiful landscapes at any time of year. In winter, however, with bare trees and a deep blanket of snow, the area transforms. Crab apples and cultivated apples stand out gnarled and diminutive in old fields and forested edges next to towering oak, ash, and pine. The withered, red-brown apples, still hanging, unpicked and neglected, partially frozen and fermented, are unfit for the human palate but much desired by our native wildlife. These old apples are but one fruit that still hangs on at this time of year. They are kept in good company by clumps of wild raisins, shriveled, ruby, highbush cranberries, and hawthorns. Waterfowl and woodcock head south in search of open water and thawed mud. Swallows, swifts, nighthawks, and other insect-eating birds similarly leave the frozen, bug-free northern world behind in search of warmer hunting grounds. But with all the abundance of old fruits, some birds stick around through our long, dark winter. Opportunists and fruit eaters like crows, ravens, jays, and the feature of today's episode, cedar waxwings. Bigger than a sparrow, smaller than a cardinal, and draped in buff yellows, browns, and grays, cedar waxwings are most distinguishable by the size of their flocks to the unaided eye. Throughout the year, I tend to find cedar waxwing flocks numbering around a dozen or so individuals, though these flocks can contain a hundred or more individuals this time of year. Their compact flight form and purposeful flocking from tree to tree is distinctive, as is their small, strong, triangular tail. With a pair of binoculars, the real beauty of cedar waxwings is readily apparent. Their gray backs fade to buff yellow and a white belly. Working up their neck to their head, the gray takes on a peach cast reminiscent in color of a mourning dove. Their eyes are highlighted by a striking black mask bordered on the bottom with a white slash. Their heads are adorned with a perfect crest of feathers, much like a tufted titmouse, cardinal, or jay, but following the same buff gray to peach coloration as much of the rest of the waxwings' plumage. The tips of their tails are marked with a perfect band of lemon yellow, as if the birds were dipped in paint. I would be remiss to fail to mention the birds' namesake, their wax wings. At the tip of the primary feathers on their wings is a perfect row of scarlet red waxy drops. While the exact purpose of these waxy bars is not entirely known, it is surmised that it may help attract mates and communicate how successful a mate the individual will be. Bohemian waxwings are much less common, but when they appear in winter in Maine, they can be easily confused with cedar waxwings. Bohemians, however, unlike their cedar counterparts, lack the yellow on their bellies, have a rusty patch under their tail, and have striking yellow bars on their wings. Waxwings are unusual among northern birds due to their dietary habits. Unlike most birds, they can go great spans of time eating nothing but fruit, as they do through our winters. This is such an extreme diet that when brown-headed cowbirds parasitize the nests of cedar waxwings by laying their eggs in them for the waxwing parents to raise, the cowbird babies generally die from malnourishment. This is because the fruit, while high in carbohydrates, is extremely low in protein, which is so necessary in the development of most young birds. So as you are out and about this weekend, you can keep an eye out for fruit-laden trees which may attract vast flocks of the elegantly colored cedar waxwings. If you do see them, take note of where these trees are and when you made the observation, as I have noticed that the flocks will frequent certain areas at certain times of year, as if they know when and where their favorite trees and shrubs are laden with fruit ready for the picking. You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, photos, information about podcasting, and more by visiting archives.weru.org. Have a nature question that you want us to answer in our show? Simply reach out to us. Theme music was by A Pileated Woodpecker, made available by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phenology.